is Doug. And this is Jacob. And this is Best Worst Podcast. 41. 41. This point, point one. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry it's been so long, and um, it actually hasn't been as long for us, because yeah. we got together last month, and after about an hour of good film festival speculation, <laughs> I realized after the first time I checked the uh, recorder, I turned it off. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, so that bit of speculation run. has gone to the ether. <laughs> and we're drinking tea tonight, because, yeah, yeah. although we do have some whiskey on the way out, yeah. but I, I feel like we're getting older. Not unlike the film festival. How's that for a second? Yeah, yeah, fifty years. Fifty mm. years. Fifty years. In Auckland. In Auckland, yes. yeah. <laughs> because um, Auckland started how many years before Wellington, and oh, then they passed. joined together. Yeah, but yeah, that's the mm. basic yeah. lineage of them being individual and then yeah. super citying film festival version. <laughs> yes. You know, if you've listened for a while, you know that we tend to talk a lot about the festival. Yeah, yeah, and we and we try and uh, we try and sort of mainline festival films because you can never tell what's going to come back and. And just a chance to see some of these uh, fantastic pieces of work in, on the big screen. And in the case of the Civic, the very big screen. Yeah. And um, what we've done this time, um, rather than doing a conventional top ten or just listing everything that we want to see, is go through the um, book section by section Yeah. and um, take one pick from each section, which I thought was quite clever. And then when I came up with the idea, and then two days later, Dan Slevin did it on our instead. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's still a good idea even if Dan did it first yeah, but, yeah. you know especially because you, you know yeah great minds and all that so let's start at the beginning which is often the beginning of the festival well, the big, big night night yeah and certainly the beginning of the book and so for, for me I've, I've gone with the opening night film and uh, is it the opening night film in Wellington yes. as well okay uh, yeah. I, oh, I don't know that uh, it's, it's the opening night fil- film in Auckland it's um Birds of Passage which is by um Ciro Guerra uh, and co-directed by Christina Galejo, Galejo, maybe? Some of you might recognize Ciro Guerra's name from Embrace of the Serpent, yes. which is a fantastic black so and white, good. big screen epic, um, and, and, a, and a, just an excellent fable film. So Guerra, I don't, I don't know any of his other work, or whether he's done other work prior to that. Um, presumably he's done some. Yeah, was there, was a, there was one film that was in the festival a few years prior oh, yeah, to yeah. it that I can't recall the name of. But he, he seems to have a bit of a, uh, a thing for working in indigenous stories which I have a natural inclination towards and so uh, the idea of Birds of Passage really appeals so uh, from what I can tell from the write-up I haven't sort of looked much further is that it's um, a story of indigenous peoples in Colombia in the Colombian region I think set in the 70s and they go up uh, the indigenous people go up against um, drug cartels yeah um, <laughs> oddly enough some friends of mine moved not long ago to um, Median apparently it's really nice now yeah, yeah it is yeah and, and I, I I have a friend who's visiting for tourist reasons, and yeah. she's been posting all these beautiful pictures. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's huge. Guess, yeah. But um, what what my friend Nigel had said is he could see how cartels could take it over. He said because basically it's in this really isolated valley that has like one road in, one road out kind of thing, and it's really easy. So if you can control those roads, you control the city. <laughs> yeah, but he said it's got its own microclimate because it's in this beautiful valley, and he said it's a fantastic place yeah. and great yeah. coffee. <laughs> and that, but yeah, so this this looks like it'll be um, a really interesting take on a in some ways a genre tale but from an indigenous perspective and the work he did in Embrace of the Serpent just makes me really hopeful for this film as well because mm. what he did with that one was take what you think of as the classic you know big Amazonian exploration film you know out deep into the jungle and I think for that one he wrote it on off the travel uh, sorry the journals of two missionaries who were exploring at different mm. periods of time not uh, you know but they were crossed I don't know whether it was in real life or just a bridging device he used by 
a single guide mm. in his youth and then in his later years and the, the film's perspective is from that indigenous guide so it sort of t- twists what we know as a kind of recognisable um, story type and film type into a completely different perspective and kind of takes what <laughs> especially always, at the end which yeah, is yeah, yeah. the, the 2001 yeah. of Amazonian yeah. road trip uh, so, th- so this would be the, like the, um, the you know the drug cartel film to end mm. <laughs> yeah. your understanding of what a, what a genre <laughs> film of, yeah. of such nature would be so, yeah, and it was a big hit fun. at Cannes as well oh, um, yeah. it was in the one of the side things not main competition but it was very well received there and I think Embrace of the Serpent is the kind of film that would have would have just sang on the civic screen unfortunately I didn't see it on the civic yeah, screen I saw it on the academy, academy screen, screen yeah. which, we love you academy yeah, but, but I think they'd be the first to admit it's not yeah. quite the same yeah and so I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what um, the, those two directors put out on the big screen there it's going to be fantastic and packed cinema on opening night it's going to be yeah it's going to be pretty exciting I'm not going to be here for opening night blame teacher holidays um, I can't complain about where I'm going but we won't get into that but the civic screen uh, is my main reason for my recommendation and there are a couple great choices um, you know um, both Jacob and I are reviewing for the spinoff this mm. year and I'll be reviewing Burning a really well received South Korean film yeah. and um, I've already reviewed for Monster Lookout uh, Leave No Trace um, Deborah Granick's astonishing that is um, fantastic and I would say yeah. to anyone who was a big fan of um, Winter's Bone that I would say I mean it's a very different film but the, this to me was a, a more accomplished story yeah but it's also not a thriller I think that's yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. It's, I, I, yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not a thriller like yeah, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't put them in the same class yeah. but in terms of the filmmaking on this to me was just slightly better uh, yeah I, I would agree with that and yeah. I think it's um, an extraordinary film and I'm actually thinking about seeing it twice yeah and but great performances. Ben Foster, fantastic. Um, Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie. Oh, wow. Who's, um, she was insane. Was yeah, yeah. Really who's, good. Yeah, a yeah. Kiwi making a debut in an American film yeah. that had all the American um, critics at Sundance confused yeah. when she opened her mouth at the Q&A and yeah, started yeah. talking in a Kiwi twang. And, and, and the odd recognisable person in support role who's all really good, Dale Dickey, who's mm. um, you know classic in those uh, rural dramas. American dramas. But also a lot of real people as yeah. well, you know, um, from the Klamath yeah, the, Falls. The, uh, the beat... Uh, Keeper person must have been real. Yep. Yeah. 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 There's and yeah. So there's a really lovely mix of um, almost documentary like moments with a story that really um, undercuts a lot of the it's sort of like the anti-Ken Loach yeah, yeah. like where everybody in Ken Loach and the system is like trying to do evil and screw you out it's like everybody's trying to do good in this yeah, film that was a, that was a notable <laughs> yeah. thing in that film is that there was a lot of drama and tension in the film but it came in the personal kind of demons of the characters and the relationship <laughs> there weren't all these kind of contrived people were nice they were regular people yeah and yeah was, and the conflict just yeah. came from different conceptions yeah. of what doing good meant mm. um, anyway still not my pick my mm. pick is um, Vim Vender's sumptuous black and white classic Wings of oh, Desire yeah. which was one of the films that back when I was a wee little thing saw on a um, university uh, screen and was just like oh my god film can do this and mm. the opening um and now have you seen Wings of Desire? I have, but okay. not on the big screen. Yeah. Uh, the the opening it's all black and white at the start and the opening 10 minutes mm. which are sort of this ostinato of these angels wandering around um, Germany um, saying intoning this sort of repetitive um, not quite poem but you mm. know unde kinst kinst ude when the child was a child and mm. talking about these things and 
I think the um, German title is Der Himmel über Berlin and Angels over Berlin, which is a bit more, uh, in some ways, a bit more literal. I actually like Wings of Desire better, but that that epitomizes that the Mm. most. And it also has Peter Falk playing Peter Peter Falk. Falk. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you haven't seen it, uh, or if if you have, you've probably already booked your ticket. Yeah. If you haven't, um, seeing it on the Civic screen uh, is going to be a huge treat. Yeah. So what's our um, what's our second section? Oh, uh, Aotearoa. So what are you hitting for that? I should do a shout out for Eight Uneasy Pieces because there's uh, my oh, yes. good friend Steve Chow has a uh, yes. film in it that I did a I did a little bit of wandering around carrying tripods on and anything nothing Not. particularly <laughs> yeah. uh, creative and um, and there's like a few other um, short film programs this year actually and um, New Zealand's Best mm. has a few folk that I know in it including the talented uh, Judah Finnegan but the film that I am recommending which I have I've seen as well actually is Stray uh, yeah. uh, Dustin Fennelly's uh, debut film mm. and uh, I'm recommending it in part because I think it needs to be seen on the big screen it's an intensely quiet film I've, yeah. um, it's a film of a familiar stripe in certain ways and that is adheres to the man alone trope for quite a while but it's also a bit different from the man alone yeah. film in the in the way that it moves and in the way that it develops over its course and I am um, it's a film I wouldn't want to say too much about but there's in not because there's major spoilers but in fact there's almost surprisingly little to spoil yeah. and um, it has a sort of European rigor to it yeah. and I expected a sort of cruelty to accompany that and I was surprised eventually pleasantly surprised to discover that wasn't really it wasn't where it was yeah. going to you know because you have what becomes a story about two damaged people trying to work through their damage yeah, with each other and um, it has certain echoes to leave no trace in that mm-hmm. sense but it's beautifully photographed by the cinematographer yeah, Lady Macbeth um, and Dick Reed who did the sound design on it did a fantastic job if you watch the trailer there's no music on it yeah. it's just the sound it just gives you a sense yeah. of the world that it creates yeah um, it's fantastic yeah. put together. There's a few moments where I feel a little bit of first filmness, some some dialogue. You know, there's a couple that are trying to evoke the scene in um, Hunger between Michael Fassbender and the priest with oh, the yeah. um, discussion across the table. Oh, okay. You know, the 20 minute long yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> chat there. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not quite that, but mm. it's to say it's not quite as good as Hunger yeah, is yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. still there's still room for it to be very, very good. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. in my opinion, it is. Yes. Yes, I believe so. And there's a few New Zealand films actually that I think are worth mentioning. There's a couple um, Maui's Hook. I've heard good things about. I, I think yeah. I saw. Um, uh, well, I reviewed it in Monster yeah, Lookout. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so you've got a good thumbs up, and um, Leon um, McGurin gave it a good thumbs up as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a little more. Um, there, there's things about it that I don't think fully work, oh, yeah. and in the context of a small review, I tried to kind of gloss past yeah. those a bit. But I think it's because of its goal its goal Mm. is not principally to be treated to be enjoyed as an aesthetic object Mm. even though it's beautifully shot Mm. and there's some lovely passages in it but it is to begin this Carrero about suicide that um, and and it is documenting a Carrero about suicide and then trying to create one not only in its content but in the way that it's releasing as well Mm. and so I think that I, I think that for the audience, 
that needs to see this sort of film and, yeah. and needs to address the way this trauma has impacted their lives and find ways to move past it. Yeah. My concerns are trivial in a way that they wouldn't be for a conventional narrative film yeah, yeah. or even most docos. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that's a, a big issue in New Zealand. Yes, so. sadly. Well, worth um, digging into. Uh, another documentary that I'm quite keen on is um, Mirata, um, the Mirata Mita documentary, um, mm. which was uh, made by her son, Hepiri. Yeah. And that's primarily just I'm interested in her as a filmmaker. I mean, the maker of um, Patu and and a, f- yeah. and a number of other films, and and having been involved in in a, in a range of really interesting films like Utu, and um, keen to have a have another look at her from the perspective of her family and stuff, because she was yeah. sort of notably a sort of a prickly person, but also yeah. at the at the centre of a lot of pushing forward in parts of New Zealand. Now, have you culture. seen Bastion Point or yeah. Maori? Because yeah. I've only seen Patu, but yeah. I, I really need to yeah, see yeah, Bastion, Bastion Point. I mean, part two, we've yeah. talked about on this show many yeah, times yeah. before, but it bears repeating. It's landmark, and it's available yeah. for free to watch on New Zealand on screen. Yeah. So there's really no reason not to. And Bastion Point's um, just it's almost finished, I think, if it's not finished already, getting a restoration done. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, so there'll be a release yeah, of yeah. that at some point. Fantastic. Which is pretty cool. So that's your pick, then? Um, no, actually, Ooh. but my pick is, um, is Bludgeon, um, which is a, another documentary, and it's on the lighter side. This is a couple of... Um, Kiwi filmmakers who are making a documentary about um, medieval fighting clubs. I'm I don't get a chance to play much nowadays, but um, I grew up playing a bit of D- Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, yes. And one of my one of my best mates, my uni days, who I don't see as often as I like, and good surfing mates actually, mm. was in a medieval fighting club in um, Napier when he grew up, and uh, and he had like swords and various other things, and uh, he's got a scar under his eye where he got poked by a, a right. sword of Alex, and had and got stitched up, and he had the story of when he went to get stitched up, and the and the doctor asked him, oh, "How'd you do this?" And he when he said, he goes, "Oh, you won't be needing anaesthetic then." <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen Darkon? Um, no, I haven't. It's an American documentary on this um, same topic, and I'm tr- I'm blanking on. The and I think in the right up there it said, "Don't call it laughing." <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and actually, um, I have a friend whose marriage or long ago university acquaintance whose mm. marriage broke up because um, <laughs> he spent uh, they, much time. Well, yeah, they, 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 they were like both into it, oh, right? Yeah. And they got married yeah. in medieval garb yeah. and everything, yeah. and then you know, but he was going away every weekend, and he yeah. was. And, you know, and she was like, you know, I'd like to stay home some weekends. And he's like, sweet, you can do that. (laughs) And that's usually when, you know, things fall apart. Anyway, um, that was a long time ago, and I'm pretty sure they're not listening. So I don't don't know that this is going to be my favorite pick of the New Zealand films in terms of what I think is best, but it's going to be something lighter, a lighter addition to my program, which is full of um, (laughs) some dark dark and grim stuff. and, and, And I think it'll be fun, and it's a topic I'm interested in. So, yeah, yeah. Um, anyone who wants a preview of it, in fact, in the 2016 Loading Docs, which my film was in, oh, yeah. um, Ryan and Andy did um, a film called Bludgeon and that. And um, at the time, I thought, oh, this is kind of more like a trailer for a feature film than a fully realized <laughs> short film. And in retrospect, perhaps that might have been exactly oh, what oh. it was. And it's a proof of concept. So it'll be great to see um, the characters that you sort of briefly contact mm. there um, get a chance to breathe and really build yeah. that world. No. Did I say world? <laughs> I did by accident. That's actually the next section of the book, though. The world section, and 
I said to Jacob, the biggest yeah, one really, isn't it? It was, there's something like 150 films and 55 of them are in the world, world section. section. <laughs> so I said, you know, even though we've said one pick, that's a bit hard. I've already reviewed uh, Wajib the Wedding Invitation uh, for Monster Lookout, which is really um, undersung uh, Palestinian film mm. about a father and his uh, son and the sons come back from Italy where he mm. lives because his sister, um, the father's daughter, is getting married oh, and there's yeah. this tradition to um, hand deliver all the wedding invitations, yeah. and uh, and this is set in Nazareth, which is the most kind of still Arabic of his Israel yeah. Israeli cities. So it's very political, but also very not. It's not like a divine intervention or paradise now or yeah, anything. Yeah. There's no one blowing themselves up at a yeah. checkpoint or mm. you know getting shot at or um, you know it's not Omar. Um, yeah. It's a really you know there's a good sixty percent of it that could happen in any culture that happened to have this tradition mm. and it, it, it's grounded in those personal relationships. Mm. I pretty much just repeated my review. Anyway, I could go. <laughs> On um, Raise the Red Lantern is going to be incredible on yeah. um, 35 mil. That was my my picks for Panagraph Punch. The Image Book, Jean-Luc Godard. I feel like that's in a class of its own. But the two I want to single out yeah. um, because I, I I think a lot of people will hit me if I say Godard's the one you should see. Um, <laughs> Woman at War is an Icelandic film, and I'm trying to recall that from the write-up. Uh, and the director is a fellow named Benedict Erlingsson, who did a film called Of Horses and Men. Ah, and yep, this yep, is yep. his follow-up, and it was one I actually wasn't sure about. And so I watched because the description is basically about this woman. Is that the custom lady who? No, is that no, that's border. border. So this film is about um, this woman who's an ardent environmental activist and does these really sort of deadpan kind of impotent protests oh, to, yeah, yeah. as part of that and then somewhere along the line she has a um, adopted son showed up show up that she applied for many years earlier and forgot about yeah. and then it finally <laughs> came through um, and I, I just love like that sort of really deadpan Nordic mm. sensibility I mean Kitchen Stories is mm. one that I always go to for you know that mm. kind of thing and the bothersome man and there's yeah, yeah and, and those those films are really hit the kind of the fine point of being accessible enough that you can yeah. kind of go to them but kind of not so accessible that they'll ever come back yeah so I th- I, I'm hoping that'll be a lighter touch and then my other one which will not at all be a light touch is Lynn Ramsey's uh, oh, brewing yeah. new film yeah. uh, You Were Never Really Here yeah, yeah. with uh, a dissonant score by Johnny Greenwood and Joaquin Phoenix is a um, return soldier and we need to talk about Kevin as a film that's very divisive Yeah, but I really <laughs> love it and I love the form of it, mm. especially. Yeah, I really and like when to see um, to see Ramsey finally get to do it again yeah, after yeah. eight years. Yeah, um, I've heard some people say, "Oh, it's a minor return; it's not as strong." But then a lot of people said, "We need to talk about Kevin wasn't as strong at the time." Yeah. So um, this is certainly going to be a grim and gritty watch. And, and I've heard uh, it's like the kind of anti-genre genre film. Yeah, <laughs> I th- not, not in terms of being against genre, but kind of not playing by the rules and. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, it's kind of like in the same way that we need to talk about Kevin as a um, school killing film, but you don't see any school killing, killing, you know, which is actually, and it's detailed quite quite gruesomely in the book. So to, um, yeah, whether whether the book that this is based on has the same kind of Mm. detail that she's elided Mm. or not, I think it is the idea of this may, on paper, look like a Mm. genre film, but you're not going to get genre pleasure from it. Certainly not going to be light. Uh, Dark psychological material. (laughs) 
Mm, Indeed. Nice. And you're not going to light us up any, are you? Um, no, no. Um, so mine, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's not going to be light, but I don't think it'll be quite as dark. Gia Zanke's um, Ashes of Purest White is yes. one of my picks. And so uh, I don't know lots of his work, but I, I saw A Touch of Sin on um, DVD and I absolutely loved it. He has this wonderful ability to sew in genre elements that I love like kind of gangstery right. sort of things into what seems like a like a socio-historical epic well not maybe yeah. not historical but it, it, it has they have this sense of scale to them the the films of his I've seen yeah that are just encompassing uh, yeah and I found the story elements really kind of gripping and so this this is another thing where it's sort of set uh, a sort of a socialist tale set in the in the gangster genre in China and will cover large swaths of uh, of people's lives in space right. and probably intersecting stories um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see it on, on a big screen yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just weighing it up because it's 141 minutes and it starts at 8.45 oh, and fantastic. it's the day I get back Ooh. oh no it's just one of those like it's one of those like oh it's the day I get back yeah. it's the day before my first day of work and I'm seeing another film before it that I'm reviewing and it's like will I, I did, make it through I mean that's one of the things yeah. I didn't find the films that I've seen of his they didn't. They didn't feel like hard work. They felt like yeah. Some of his earlier engaging. ones were harder yeah, work. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, Mountains Made to Part uh, oh, was okay. fantastic, which is his most recent one. And yeah. I'm not even sure if it played here. I just happened to see it on a oh. plane. And uh, it's no, a, like a lot of his recent ones, it's a three part yeah. epic over forty or fifty mm. years, ending in the future. And um, <laughs> and it blew me away. It was mm. super strong. And in like he he was kind of a bit airless in some of his early work and I yeah. still like I, he's still never gonna you know go to Hollywood and make a Jurassic yeah. Park sequel but um, he's I think he's reached that point of art house yeah. approachability yeah yeah and there's quite a few other films that um, that aren't on my picks but that are, I think are just worth passing by obviously the, mm. by a lot of big name directors one that um, I saw a lot of buzz out of oh, it was one of the film festivals I can't I don't think it was Sundance it was um, First Reformed mm. um, but that's um, Paul Toronto, Schrader I think oh, yeah, Paul Schrader um, yes it is and uh, it's starring Ethan Hawke as a uh, Catholic priest who is dealing with uh, parishioners who are trying to deal with ecological issues climate and, and change, climate change yeah. which just seems really fan- fantastic and I saw the trailer and I just really gripped yeah. me one thing I mean because some people listening the last Paul Schrader they seen would have been uh, Dog Eat Dog <laughs> um, and this may be one of the largest shifts in style <laughs> film. I mean one yeah. thing um, Schrader before he made any films I mean, he he wrote Taxi Driver yeah. and yeah. you know directed Mishima and Blue Collar and you know dozens mm. of films. But he uh, wrote a book on Bergman, Dreyer, and Ozu oh, okay. and um, about transcendental cinema. Yeah, and he's become very you know he's recently updated that to talk about every you know Beylotar yeah. and Nuri Bailey Ceylon and oh, all wow. these people. Um, and perfect. so First Reformed is kind of his mm. attempt to go back into that world. Mm. People who get really into it should actually look up. I've been watching a um, thing he did at Rotterdam this year okay. because he did a little master class. Oh, and yeah. so while he is um, 
Uh, is it available online? Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. Oh. And he talks about um, while he was editing First Reformed, he was also with the same editor re-editing his film Dying of the Light, oh, which yeah. was taken away from him by the producers. And yeah. he did a re-edit off these DVD screeners and stuff oh. with his editor shooting stuff on an iPhone and <laughs> like then bringing it in and doing all this crazy stuff. And it's called Dark, and he has some clips from that, and he oh. talks about... Um, kind of his process over, you know, dying of the light, kind of ruining him yeah. more or less, and he he needing to redeem himself. Yeah, and so he gets all these kids, and he's really inspired by Xavier Dolan and how yeah. he just like uses a different style in every scene, and mm. you know that's one, certainly one thing you can say about Dog Eat Dog. It's not mm. consistent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of gets that out of his system, so, but then yeah. he, and then for some reason he do, wants to go do First Reformed, which yeah. is the opposite but, yeah. style. But at the same time, he wants to keep moving. So really interesting. And also just from the evidence of that, I'm not sure how much longer he'll be around. Yeah, yeah. He is in his 70s and not... But that that (laughs) looks looks like there's going to be some some top-notch drama there. Other ones that I found of interest is um, Zama, Lucretia Mattel's uh, historical kind of humorous epic by the look of it, somewhat sort of... It's a period colonial piece. And and Lucretia Mattel did The Headless Woman and The Holy Girl and has been off the scene for like a decade. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so the trailer for this looks fantastic, and and the kind of the tone of it just mm. it looks like it'll suit me quite nicely. I found it really hard to fit in my schedule, and again, I, I like I don't normally watch trailers, mm. but I watched the trailer for that yeah. to kind of convince myself I didn't need to watch it because I don't love colonial drama, yeah. and I don't, uh, I didn't. I'm like, do I really need this? And some people have complained it's maddeningly opaque. Certainly, yeah. um, there's a very formally precise cinematography that yeah. you see, but it just, yeah, again, it just looks like my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's Matteo Garoni's uh, most recent film, Dogman, which yep. is um, another kind of gangstery one, but this one with a man who uh, is a vet, I think. And so there's a whole lot of dogs here, and, and the dog ensemble from Dogman won the Palm Dog Award this year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously the the Wild Pear Tree, um, Nero Bugasalam, um, latest, um, is going to be fantastic. Um, and <laughs> you deser- promise? De- deserving to be seen on, on a Civic screen. Okay, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I didn't like Winter Sleep very much, so we'll see. Uh, I, I, I don't know that I can oh, yeah, stamp okay. that I, it's going to be fantastic. I, I like Winter Sleep. Okay. I, I like Winter Sleep. It wasn't it wasn't my favorite of that year. It lived up to the second half of the name. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, see, I quite liked it, but... Um, I've liked, I've liked some, yeah, I, lo- I loved that, and I loved um, Climate. So yeah, I yeah. You know, um, so yeah, this could be the three and a half hours of... <laughs> Turkish people <laughs> like being assholes and um, that, you know, lights up the cinema, but nice. um, I don't have three and a half hours for yeah. it this year. Um, I'll throw one in there, which yep. is um, a Danish uh, debut feature called The Guilty, huh? and I'm always on the lookout. Um, you know, Sarah's um, kind of a mu- much more of like a thrillery kind yep. of person, and so, like, you know, if we can find something that fits in yeah, yeah. to that, I always like a creative approach, and so this is a um, two-room uh, thriller at an emergency call center and so it's literally just set there the, oh, wow. and the guy who gets this call from an abducted woman um, is trying to solve the oh, whole thing without oh, yeah, no, oh, from yeah, there yeah, yeah. and so I, I, I and I yeah so that looks like a nice take on the oh, yeah. uh, thriller that's a little less heralded than some of these but yeah was 
was um, Sarah um, quite keen on like a war and a hijacking those ones yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite enjoyed yeah, those as well yeah. Yeah, I can see I can see that yeah. that could be playing in a similar sort of space my other one that's my um, my pick for the world section is Christian Petzold's latest um, Transit which <laughs> looks like uh, a really interesting kind of progression of his the, the themes that he likes to explore around now, identity now did Barbara, Barbara and Phoenix, Phoenix yeah, um, and, Jericho uh, Jericho yeah. uh, that's yeah. one I haven't seen but yeah, yeah Barbara and Phoenix both fantastic um, but this one it, it's another film like Phoenix where um, the protagonist is assuming an identity to um, kind of escape out from under possible political oppression hmm. but um, I, it was based on a book that was written around World War 2 with uh, a Jewish person trying to um, cover identity uh, but this one is he's uh, instead set it in present day so uh, right. whereas Phoenix for him was a similar kind of film set in World War 2 or just after World War 2 this one is set in the present day and it's kind of in the context of the European refugee crisis right so he's a master dramatist fantastically tightly structured and, and well written character pieces um, and mm. so I'm just really interested to see how he plays that out in a slightly different more modern recognisable context yeah yeah, no, I, I wasn't able to fit it in my schedule, but I'm yeah. hoping it'll come back because his last couple films. Yeah, has, yeah, he's, um, could, um, do, could do a Rialto run. Yeah, something like that. Hopefully not on the e cinema screens. <laughs> ah, <laughs> bloody e cinema screens. Right, um, shall we freshen things up with the? Yep. Uh, I'm God. I'm sorry about all these bad puns. <laughs> I, I, I've been doing too much reality TV. They're just like rolling off. My, I didn't even get. <laughs> just just talk yeah. to me what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> keeping it fresh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The good old fresh section. Yeah, so do you want to start with this yeah, one? Yeah, well, fresh yeah. section is one of my most exciting sort of sections because obviously there's all the, the big names that you know and that mm. you you know you have expectations about but the fresh section is often where you find those films that you've got no idea about they're often new features or they're features by people that you just have never heard of and, and come across and so sometimes you strike something and it doesn't quite work I mean there was one last year that had the most promising title um, Don't Steal My Heart or Don't Break My Heart oh, yeah, Hill, yeah. which was it worked okay it wasn't fantastic, but for me, it worked okay. And then other times, you just find something, you go, oh my goodness, what did I just see? Um, and that's kind of what you're chasing after, really. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I, I picked uh, a couple out of this one that I, I picked for Panagraph as well. Um, we're just going to stop pretending we're picking one per section yeah. now, I think. Called Apostasy. It's just a, a, a strange-sounding story. In, in many ways, it seems like a very straightforward-sounding narrative feature. Um, it's about a Jehovah's Witness family, um, and I think the director comes out of a Jehovah's Witness background, so um, is writing from some personal points of view, and it's exploring the part of the religion where they uh, they have some things around health where they uh, they can't accept blood transfusions because uh, you don't take blood from something else or right. life from something else like that. And so um, the ethical quandaries that come up when someone, uh, a loved one, is actually in need of treatment and so a, f- a family coming under pressure and fracturing around this religious doctrine right. so yeah I, I don't think I could actually I would just be so furious that I <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just really interested to see how they how they attack this and it's, it's set in um, Manchester I think so it's a it's like a very right. interesting setting for it as well in the UK yeah because I, I consider that it had quite an American kind of thing so yeah it's yeah an and so, so yeah. Work, you know working class um UK, it seems like it'll be a, quite a, a different story. Even though the, the style of the film sounds somewhat straightforward, the content, 
I'm just interested to see how that plays out. I, yeah. It could be quite quite exciting. So, um, yeah, excited about that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with my one pick, which is um, a film that I've been waiting to see for 20 years or so, um, because somewhere in the mid-90s, mm. um, Olivier Assayas' Low Fraud um, or Cold Water started appearing on people's top-of-the-decade lists. Oh, wow. Yep. And I was like, oh, this sounds amazing. I'll just wait till it comes out on video and see it. <laughs> Fast forward 20 years in, like, 15 other Assayas features. Um, apparently, he made it for TV, and the music rights were just completely... Oh, yep. Screwed, yeah. yeah um, but somehow the fine folk at Janus slash Criterion unscrewed them. Are Janus related to Criterion? Because they're involved in quite a few cool... Yeah, like, I, I, um, I, I, Jan, Janus is and... the theatrical arm, oh, I think, yeah, and yeah. then Criterion. Yeah. But maybe Janus owns the whole thing. I'm not yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure. It's It could be one of those weird... Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever the relationship is, yeah. Cheers, and, Janus. Yeah. <laughs> and Olivia Sayas, um, in recent years, has done everything from mm. Clouds of Sills, Maria, Carly, uh, summer hours, personal um, yeah, personal shopper. Not yeah. everybody loved, I know, but I certainly no, loved I did. it. Yeah. And Cold Water is probably most in keeping with the uh, film that he did, uh, something in the air about the um, uh, student riots in France in the um, oh. early seventies. And because uh, this film is also set in nineteen seventy-two, yeah. But the characters are just one or two years younger, and apparently it's less, you know, politics in the streets yeah. and more party in the sheets. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> God, I'm very. <laughs> I need to go, like, at an observational documentary for two years or something to get all this out of my brain. Anyway, so, yeah, Cold Water is going to be the one that's that I can't miss. Um, I'll be covering a couple. I'll be covering An Elephant Sitting Still, which is the this year's four-hour Asian film, and I'm hoping it's a bit more Norte the End of History than Bangkok Nights. Yeah, yeah. But it's a Chinese gangster film by Hu Bo, who oh, yeah. committed suicide, and oh, so God, will not right, be... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it was has been really well received. And there's a film called Milla, which is a French film that I don't know much about and sounded kind of small and familial oh, and yeah. not my thing, and I was going to overlook it. Um, but the Queensland International Film Festival has booked it, and they're oh. very interesting. They do a very small but very focused oh, yeah. curatorial thing. They're doing three retrospectives this year in their 20-film program, a Catet Forzani one. 20? Um, wow. That's, that yeah, is yeah. Very Shitlova, um, the um, who did uh, Fruit of Paradise and Daisy, and so hers is more historical. Yeah, and then the um, I've forgotten their names, but the Leviathan couple. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, casting Taylor. Yeah, yeah. So we're in a parallel. Yeah, and so they're playing Sweetgrass and um, Kanaba, the new one. Oh, okay. And so they have a very specific yeah. aesthetic, and so when something kind of Pops hits up, their yeah, thing, yeah, it's yeah. like okay, well, it might not be this, quite. Yeah, this sounds yeah. more like more than just people moping around in a uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quiet place. So yeah, let's yeah. take a look. Oh, nice. The other one that I had down is probably one of my well, one of my two most Sundance films of. Uh, of the festival, of my festival picks is um, Madeline's Madeline, mm-hmm. which is um, uh, Josephine Decker. Josephine Decker, yeah, um, and it's a story about performance, I think, and just seems like it'd be quite an interesting kind of slightly surreal dramatic play. So, so I'm I've seen it. It's oh, right. formally bonkers. Oh, yeah. um, it's really interesting. Um, the lead performance in it is stunning, and yeah. the last. 10 minutes go repulsion meets dance film. 
it, it's I think it's one of those that not enough people are going to see because it just kind of like yeah. looks like oh, just this, another little American indie film. Yeah, yeah. And it's oh, this is good. One see, of those I, that's going to go. I, I read about it really came out of Sundance. Yeah. So I heard a couple of um, female film critics that I follow comment favorably on, and I thought, oh, okay. And so I did a little reading, and I thought, ooh, this could be me. To be honest, I was eighty twenty on it. Like eighty percent of the choices I loved, twenty percent I'm like, this is so fucking dumb. But you know, they're all really yeah, yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah. Polarizing. I oh, know that's fantastic. Choices, yeah. and um, I think like. Yeah. Well, that makes me happy. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> like, it's a very good choice. I should mention uh, the the one that we alluded to before, actually. I, Border from Ali Abbasi, which is credited from being uh, Sweden slash Denmark. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, but it is about a border guard yep. who uses their sense of smell. And oh, um, yeah. this story is written by the same author as Let the Right One In. Mm. And But I think this is more yeah, of a... Yeah. Um, uh, surreal, absurdist comic tone because she's mm. confronted one day by a person who she cannot smell. Ah, um, and yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, I think it's another take on a lot of the issues that are um, at play in the European world with refugees today, but yeah, in yeah. a very, you know, left yeah. field kind of approach, which is... Sounds like it could be quite interesting. One could even call it a fresh approach. The, the other one that I that I wanted to mention was, I think I covered it for uh, Panagraph as well in my picks, is the Australian uh, documentary Censored. Yeah. Which just sounded like a, a fantastic kind of um, found footage piece mm-hmm. where they've the filmmaker has taken all of the bits of films that were cut out for, for like sexual reasons, I think, out of... Or um, violence, yeah. Or violence by the Australian censors between certain years and then just put them all together as a film and edited mm-hmm. them and... And uh, that, I'm, I'm not big on found footage all the time, um, but that to me sounds like mm. a really fascinating kind of way to sort of document the process of censorship and look at look at that over time. Yeah, yeah, I'm really curious mm. about that one, and the director is and going to be here, here for yeah, that yeah. as well. Um, speaking of found footage, we should mention I, um, our resident insane Canadian guy Madden oh, is back yes. with uh, the Green Fog, which is a remake of Vertigo from 150 films that are not Vertigo, yeah. and using that footage. And um, it's not going to be quite as manic, from my understanding, as the Forbidden Room, oh, yeah. um, because you know. It's not him yeah. shooting things anew. It's him mostly yeah. using, you know, existing stuff, yeah. stuff. But it uh, still sounds pretty amazing. One last fresh film I'll give a shout out for, which I reviewed in Monster Lookout, Good Manners. I'm not going to say anything about it. It's Brazilian. One a woman whose lower class goes to get a job as a live-in nanny for a mom-to-be who's upper class. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I'm, and it does not go anywhere near where that plot summary goes and all I will say is um, the people who have booked it because it says lesbian in the book and haven't read the R16 violence and horror rating uh, are going to be walking in droves at about the 45 minute uh, point right, yeah, yeah. Um, but for those people who want to go on a roller coaster ride it is a great one yeah it is just wow. yeah, so yeah um, nice. <laughs> yeah yeah well, that, one, that one definitely um, went under the radar for me yeah oh, nice. okay so what, what's our next section uh, for all ages which is a remarkably uh, small section this year actually. yeah there's yeah. only so two features two, yeah. and one, two um animation collections it's like one, one spread double thread yeah yeah and i um i actually cheated because technically one of the big nights films it, uh, it had the c also and i said oh, okay yeah. so i'll give a shout out to um mirai by uh, mamaru hosoda who did uh summer wars um a few years back in the festival as well as um the girl who leapt through time and mm. um 
The Boy and the Beast. And um, this is his latest film that just premiered at Cannes. And it's a small family tale, but it's also kind of insane. And it's killing me that I can't see it because I'm gone. Uh, but yeah. um, other people enjoy it for me. Yeah. And hopefully it'll come back. So yeah. especially if you all spend money to go see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My one from the section is um, one it's kind of a collaboration. It's, it seems like it's either husband, wife, brother, or sister, maybe um, Aaron and someone cop. And it's uh, called Liana. And this is one that um, I may or may not get to it. I've got a ticket for my eldest daughter and for either my wife or I. And I think it might be cool one to, if Melissa's you are Russell. How does that work? <laughs> I think we just uh, we we might take one each, um, okay. depending on how 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 the day goes, kind of thing. But this looks like a really fascinating little piece. It's sort of part fable, part documentary. It's about a, a, a group of kids from a group orphan's home, I think, who use storytelling narrative as a way to kind of process their experience. And so they come together and they create a character and the character is Liana and then they, right. they make stories for her and then those stories get animated and that's oh cool um, mm. and so the film was partially about these kids and partially about the story they made they create yeah that's really interesting yeah, so it's a really, really interesting creative. kind of blend yeah. yeah yeah. so it does sound like it'd be fantastic and I think it'll be perfect for my for, yeah. for my um, almost 10 year old yeah she will really dig I think um, even despite Excellent. I think uh, like covering some difficult um, life. Emotional terrain. Yeah, yeah. And, and difficult life circumstances for the kids. Um, yeah. It sounds like uh, just a really creative way for kids to work through stuff together. Yeah. Are you taking your other your Ariana, one? Yeah, um, I'll, we'll be going to the uh, animation for kids, A+. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And we're thinking of possibly doing a documentary, but I'm not sure um, which is the one. Mm. Uh, the Science Fair one? Or no, The Woods. Else? Oh, yeah, yeah. Which um, is, um, starts with an A, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's Ancient Woods. Ancient Woods. Yeah. Um, and it, by the sounds of it, it's, it's like no narration, just like going through the woods. But I just don't know. It has no age rating on it. Um, right. It also has no, um, like it's Lithuania, I think. It was, it's one of the Eastern Europe, European countries. So you but, don't know but, if the but, animals but, are but subtitled? It's got, but it's got no, <laughs> it's got no um, language on it. So I presume right, it's, okay. not, it's narration free and it's just showing, which mm. I think would be the kids would really get into, even, mm. you know, if there's some gruesome kind of animal nature stuff. But it's possibly a long time for no story yeah yeah so i would mm. kind of see how we go on that one but i'm, I'm keen to see it yeah mm. true um shall we move on to uh framing reality as the mostly documentaries yeah uh, yeah and, and this or is documentaries and mostly <laughs> it's funny after you know we did our big our big podcast on documentaries and uh, the documentary section continues to just sort of supply this wealth of really interesting stories and approaches to storytelling yeah um and and i'm still surprised that you know when i was younger i just i had no kind of sense that these were even a thing um well i think documentaries grown and changed a lot in the last mumble mumble years (laughs) five ten years Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the the one that that's really grabbed me straight off is um, Bisbee Seventeen, which is the mm-hmm. um, the recent film from Robert Green, who thrilled me with his take on uh, the Christine Chabot story. Kate plays Christine, yeah, Kate which plays Christine. Uh, we would have um, ranted about somewhere last year, yeah, or a couple of years ago. 
And so he really plays around with non-fiction form uh, Mm. and with you know recreations um, with and Kate plays Christine with uh, an actress preparing for a role around yeah. the story that they're telling so he he's kind of he engages with storytelling in a way that I find quite interesting but this film is also an interesting film about a small town in Arizona with a history um, where some dicey labour relations went down and, and yeah. people got imprisoned and possibly violently I, I, I can go into this more because I've actually seen Bisbee 17 mm. it's magnificent it's the best film I've seen of all the things oh, wow. I've got to preview and yeah. it's probably going to be the best film of the festival although, oh wow that's um, promising it's um, probably not for everybody but uh, it's about in 1917 in Bisbee Arizona after the Wobblies had had strikes there for a while and unionized a lot of the town and yeah. and, and you know the giant mining town they had a giant deportation of a couple thousand workers to the desert in the middle of summer and yeah and that a broke the union b a lot of people didn't survive that yeah and so this is returning on the hundredth um anniversary and and getting uh locals in 2017 to recreate this thing that happened in 1917 You know, it gets into a lot of those, how far have we come? How Mm. far haven't we come? Mm. I mean, certainly right now, I mean, with uh, all the labor issues we're facing in New Zealand right Mm. now, you know, this it's very Mm. topical from that approach, from an ethnic approach. You know, I mean, there's so many resonances and, yeah. and um, instead of playing out in an individual like it does an actress or Kate plays Christine yeah. it plays out on the level of this whole town um, so wow yeah fascinating oh yeah so I'm very excited to, very excited <laughs> to be seeing it so a film that I would find easier to recommend than Bisbee 17 even though it's probably not quite as conceptually accomplished uh, is Minding the Gap oh, yeah. uh, by uh, Bing Liu who's a skateboarder yeah who that's ha- another one high on my list it's it's, it's astonishing. It's I keep using that word. It is so much more than a skating documentary. Mm. It's a documentary about friends and when friends become your family and what happens when friends become gain families of their own mm. or get older and start to see the things that they overlooked yeah. um, and and were kept quiet about in order to maintain the family that was better than the family they had at home. Yeah. I cried a lot. <laughs> it's uh, and it's also it is beautifully shot. I mean, we're bringing up a whole generation of kids who are like going out on skateboards with DSLRs and gimbals yeah. and learning how to pull off you know five block follow shots off yeah. a skateboard. And it's just like, oh man, it's so much different from those you know little yeah. VCR kind of uh, yeah, yeah. Contra- VHS contraptions back in the day. Yep. One that I haven't seen that I'm really curious about. Out is Island of the Hungry Ghosts. Oh, it's right, an Australian film set at yeah, and it's, yeah. It's set at Christmas Island, which I think is a, um, a refugee yeah. um, intake center, um, and it's this kind of hybrid film, you know, with drama and documentary comp- components that um, yeah focuses a lot on these crabs that commute across the island. So I don't really know exactly how it's going to play, mm. but. I'm really curious to find out. Yeah. My, another one that I had down there is um, probably more well-known as um, Frederick Wiseman's Ex Libris, this story of the um, New York Public Library. Um, which, yeah. I mean, aside from the fact Frederick Wiseman 
doing institutions is always yeah, essential. Always, yeah, yeah is, is always a, a, a fascinating way to, to sink into a place for a, a few hours. But as a man of the library, yeah, being, being a library, yourself, being yes. a librarian, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, yeah fascinated to see how, what he's sort of taken out of this institution. Yeah, and, I, and one thing that I think's um, significant about this film at this point in time, and Wiseman himself would probably say it's a lot of shit, but um, a lot of people are pointing out that in a time where democratic institutions are threatened, mm. one of the most egalitarian democratic institutions there is um, in the loose sense of mm. it, what an institution is, is the public library. Yeah. And this place that anybody can go yeah. to and get a piece of plastic and get out a book for free yeah. and access learning resources and have And I can um, say firsthand that, that, is, that is part of the identity of librarianship is, is that whole sense of mm. um, providing, provi- yeah. Yeah, providing to community. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, every librarian I've known is pretty missionary about it. I mean, of course you would be when you're, you know, <laughs> taking home the big bucks, you know, <laughs> driving sports cars. Um, one last film I'll mention, and I promise I won't talk about it for long, is Three Identical Strangers. And all I'll say is, don't read anything about it, just go. Yeah. It's a hell of a story, and the less you know the more your jaw will drop. And unlike another film I mentioned, it's not gory, so you don't have to worry yeah, yeah. about uh, <laughs> that. Um, it's it's kind of like if, if a random stranger were to approach me that I knew nothing about their film tastes mm. and made me recommend a film this year, I would say Three Identical Strangers. Right. Mm, nice. And so uh, what's our... Tell? Oh, yeah, so there's this little adjunct section this year called oh, yeah. News Slash oh, Fake News, news yeah. which has um, five films in it like yeah. exploring the um, various aspects of the downfall of our culture <laughs> yeah. um, over the last year. Um, there's uh, The Cleaners, which is about um, internet censors and the people who have to look at beheading videos and all that. Yeah, yeah. And because and, um, and, they, they all come from India, was it? Or? I think the Philippines. Philippines, is, yeah. yeah and, and they just have to, the entire time, watch take in the most awful stuff. That just, mm. What a job. And yeah. that, that, there's so few of them for such big services. As, mm. um, you can see why people say, hey, Facebook, Twitter, you got to deal with this yeah. troll or this... I have a lot more s- sympathy for Twitter after I found out they deleted 70 million Russian bad accounts last month. Mm. I mean, it's just like, how do you even mm. approach something like that? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and there's a one called Our New President, which uh, is entirely using Russian news sources yeah. footage to uh, depict our most recent election. Yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah, and so a bit, a bit through the looking glass. And I think the film you've chosen is a Russian one as well, right? Uh, Ukrainian. Yeah, oh, true, yes. Yeah. Mr. Um, Loznitsa is very yeah, mad Sergei, right Sergei Loznitsa, who many of you will know, um, he kind of straddles the fiction feature and, and documentary realm. And, and this, mm. this this film kind of straddles that line, um, rather being sort of clearly demarcated, where he... The description and write-up of it makes it sound like a depressed Demando Nianucci film, <laughs> um, where he's, like, doing a kind of a, a somewhat allegorical or, you know, um, satirical take on, mm. on, on the situation happening in Ukraine, the bloodshed and the yeah. revolution and what have you. And anyone who saw his um, his documentary Maidan, which sort of documented the protest um, in the square a, a couple of times in 2012 and, and yeah. the time, this is kind of going out a bit further into the, into the border regions and filming some of the events and kinds of things that are happening. And, and although it's, it's a f- fictional feature, 
apparently the content is very much this stuff is going on mm. um, yeah so it, it'll be grim but it'll be very well made and probably quite pointed that's a really good description of a gentle creature which was one of his two films yeah. I saw last year which was very well made and mm. very grim but you know almost mm. operatically large mm. at points mm. and certainly I mean in tone I am actually a less a depressed Armando Iannucci and more a bitterly violent Armando <laughs> Iannucci kind of uh, would describe it yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to make it to any of these films unfortunately I'm interested yeah. in all of them it's just a timing thing and yeah. a wallet thing and a work thing but um, the one I was quite curious about was called The Trial and um, it's about oh. the um, impeachment of the uh, president of Brazil, I, Dilma Rousseff, in 2016. Gosh, I know, know virtually nothing about. I don't Brazilian know much politics. about it either, other than you know, Brazil. Brazil is, you know, had had many issues. Yeah, in yeah. The, its governance, um, but um, it seems like it's mostly drawn from 450 hours of footage of that trial. And I, one thing I really enjoy, just I a just, little bit of coverage change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one thing I really enjoy, I've realized, is process and watching mm. process unfold. That's one thing I like about yeah. Wiseman films. Is you know they often he often gives this loving detail and so this is actually mm. seeing you know this democratic institution rising up to defend itself I guess I mean I, I'm yeah. so ideologically unfamiliar with this I not don't want to cast aspersions yeah. in any way so it's either the institution protecting itself or the corrupt institution yeah. that's cast out a good person yeah most accounts I I think it's the former but mm. yeah but that also just seems like a really interesting way to approach filmmaking of rather than you, mm. you know that that we have this public record around yeah, us yeah. that we can make things from. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Let's move on to music and dance. Now, this is more you than me, really. Um, oh, I, I've really come across a music called dance documentary that kind of captures me. But not to say that the ones that mm. I have seen have often been pretty interesting. It's just you know, there's so much to watch that this is a category I almost always just go, oh, no, 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 no. Here's the thing, actually, that I realized over the past couple of years is that increasingly one of the best reasons to go to the cinema rather than the picture is the sound, putting uh, you know, yeah, the yeah, civic yeah. aside. Yeah. And I, I had that proved to me in a really physical fashion when I was blown away by Woodstock at the um, oh, autumn yeah, events, yeah. you know, and, and there were a bunch that was of... pretty good, was it? Oh, it was fantastic. Fantastic, Where and it was the, the civic, yeah, yeah. And the, the sound, and the it was just. The, sa- the sound was now. stunning and you know to throw myself over to some bands that I knew quite well some bands that I thought I didn't like some bands mm. I'd never heard of and just hit you know song mm. after song and not nine out of ten times I was blown away yeah. and even when I wasn't the milieu that it was documenting was so interesting so my um, big gap that I'm going to fill this year in that department is um, 1968's Monterey Pop with oh, uh, right. done by D.A. Pennebaker which is um, a relatively it's like 78 minutes yeah. instead of four hours yeah. but it's um, and th- is it it's another kind of classic era. kind of yeah there's Hendrix yeah, and yeah, you yeah, people yeah. like that um, I I won't yeah I was a, Monterey's in California and so it was a big festival out there and I, um, yeah and I'm just looking forward to that the other though there is there are also 
filmmakers, of course, you yeah. know, that you get drawn to. Uh, and one of them is a fellow named Les Blank. And Les uh, Blank yeah. is really interesting because for some reason they play a lot more of his stuff in Wellington than here. They'll almost always throw one or two on the program there. And I don't know what the deal is. You know, every once in a while, like Autumn Events brought Burden of Dreams here. Yeah, yeah. And um, they brought the restoration of um, a poem as a naked person, which is the Leon Russell documentary that Les Blank did uh, two years ago. So as part of this whole, I don't think we've really explained this properly, but there's a lot of amazing retrospective yeah. stuff in this festival in Auckland. Yeah, and, for and the that's 50th, because of the 50th, 50th anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, they're and pulling out yeah. films that have played in the Auckland program over the years. Yeah. yeah, including the very first one, which is a film we skipped called Hunger. Or actually, we technically haven't got to that section, yeah. but we're not mentioning it otherwise. But um, I, so yeah, so there's um, Les Blank. Uh, recently, the Criterion Collection put out a three disc set of like 13 of his films, and I picked it up a few years back. Yeah. And he films a lot of music and dance and yeah. local communities. And, you know, the, the films that are in there from like, especially from New Orleans and Louisiana, oh, yeah. you know, old bluesmen and Zydeco yeah, yeah. bands. And just his eye for capturing, you know, the moments of joy and fun and life in this culture. It's like, it's so much more than a music film. You know, it's a snapshot of a whole way of life and the world. And so they've got a film called Chulas Fronteras that played in oh. 1976 that's only recently been restored, and so oh, wow. it's not on that set. Um, and I think it's playing with another short of his, but this is uh, mostly stuff from uh, near the Texas-Mexico border. And there's a wide um, variety of types of music that are you know, in that area. And so, yeah, I'm thrilled that I'll get a bit of Les Blank and, uh, and you're going to skip all the, uh, documentaries in this section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going for, um, a film. Oh no, is it a documentary? It was, no, no, I don't no, think it's, so. It's a feature. Um, it's a film called Leto anyway. It's a Russian, um, film and it's about a young group of teens and well, or young, young, young twenties if they're a bit older, um, in a, in a band playing music and hanging out and sort of, I, I think um, the description says subtly um, subverting the state, you know. Yeah. Um, it's set in Leningrad in the 80s. Yeah, in so Leningrad, yeah. yeah. So, so it's a Leningrad music scene in the 80s. I mean, for my proclivity for things Russian and uh, yes. obviously in the, in, the, in, the, in the Cold War era, um, just sounds like it'd be an interesting thing. People partying, having fun, and also trying to stick it to the to the uh, repressive regime. Yeah. Yeah, it could be quite good. Yeah. Um, just to, because I had to open the book to look up Lido, I'm looking at the Monterey Pop description. Oh, yeah. And it includes the Mamas and the Papas, Canned Heat, Simon and Garfunkel, oh. Hugh, Hugh Masekela, uh Jefferson Airplane, Janis Joplin, Big Brother and the Holding Company, The Animals, The Who, Country Joe and the Fish, hey. Otis Redding, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, and Ravi Shankar. So uh, when was it? What year? Uh, this was 1968. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, and I think yeah, I mean I can only imagine there must be hours of footage that is amazing that's not in there because it's only a 79 minute film. Mm-hmm. But um, that I'd rather n- have that than get stuck watching 15 minutes of a band I'm not very into. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll see. I've never listened to much Can Heat. We're getting to, near the back of a book now. Yeah. We're getting to the uh, portrait of an artist. Oh, and, yes. Uh, yes. That's another section that I'm kind of on and off with. Some mm-hmm. some of the art films I, I find quite interesting, and some of them I'm like, nah. Um, and so are you on or off this year? Uh, I'm mostly off there's not a lot in there that's um that's appealing to me and i don't know if a part of that is because there are so many films and i'm 
I'm having to. I mean, because we're we're yeah, yeah. At reviewing things, we have to go through it so quickly. And also, you start at the front of the book. And yeah, by the yeah, end, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're just like, mm. yeah, you go from going from pouring over things to going, no, mm. yes, no. And so I possibly don't give these enough enough attention. Um, and and it's probably mostly because I've got to cut it down, or we've mm. both got to cut it down to something you know below 50 um from 150 and yeah so anyway the one that i picked in there um was one that instantly stuck out was um film worker yeah which is about um leon vitale who people won't remember as um lord bullingdon and barry Lyndon, um which i only just caught up with recently so i've just got a fresh in my oh, mind man i haven't watched barry um, Lyndon for a while but it's yeah uh, it's yeah. a stunner uh, yeah it's pretty 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 fantastic um and he went on from that film quit acting and became kubrick's personal assistant for many years yes, um and definitely. so yeah. So this is um, a documentary about him and his time with Kubrick, and yeah, that's got to be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now that that's high on my list, but even higher. Um, yeah, and I I agree with you. You know, with, mm. I feel like there's definitely like documentaries that often get in more because of who they're about mm. than the quality, and then there'll be documentaries that you don't need to know anything about uh, the artist, yeah. and they're stunning. Um, yeah, the Tony Conrad. Documentary last year was brilliant, but one of the best art experiences I've had in my life was going to the Museum of Old and New Art. What's that? And it's in Hobart, Australia. Oh. And um, I wrote a piece on it for Panagraph on this exhibit called "On the Origin of Art." Mm. And um, the and they very first room I walked into was a Yayoi Kasuma room which was yellow with these black dots oh, and with yes. these um, rounded distended forms that were um, painted in the same way it was not the first time I'd seen Kasuma actually I'd seen mm. a bit of her work in some weird loft in Japan that I wound up with oh. one, on one visit um, <laughs> that was um, I think red and black and that had like as much smaller like, and yeah. there were rooms you'd look into instead of go in yeah, yeah. but it was working with some of the same ideas and so yes, so Kasuma makes this wildly inventive visual worlds, and is also a really fascinating woman um, because a because of her longevity, b because of being an artist in Japanese society, yeah. c she suffers from mental illness and actually like lives at an institution and goes oh. out like a few hours a day to work on her oh, gosh, really? art and then comes back. Yeah, so I'm really mm. fascinated to. I'm I'm hoping it's 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 an unheralded un heralded director mm. and but I'm hoping that she's been done justice yeah um, yeah. yeah which gets us to the back of the book where all the bad <laughs> kids hang <laughs> it could be strange mm. it's that whole best worst this is, this is uh, the IS section often has uh, a bunch of my highlights in it yeah. um, I have to say this year not quite as many as I was thinking it might well, in other years, it, it does. Not to say that they look bad. There's plenty of good-looking ones. But one of my most anticipated films, and I think probably yours as well, is uh, is in there. And we, uh, I assume we're talking about Mandy. Mandy yeah, Mandy. I, which I literally fist-pumped when I yeah. <laughs> yeah. saw that it was announced in Cannes. And it's um, Panos Cosmatos, who uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yep, has this kind of lo-fi, esoteric art house approach to. Well, kind of genre to genre cinema, and then the story of Mandy is starring Nick Cage, and and, and by all counts, in batshit mode. So I'm hoping that you, he's going to do a great job of drawing together these two mm. not disparate but not often pulled together nicely styles of cinema where you've got the genre kind of trash B-grade batshit, mm. and then something a little more kind of thoughtful and esoteric and. 
I'm just fascinated to see what how that plays together. I have a ticket for fourth row uh, <laughs> center of the stalls at the Civic. I have. I'm, um, what row is that? Is that row row, row D? D? Yeah, I'm in row E. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna let that shit wash yeah, all over yeah, me. Yeah, totally. I'm one of the best. <laughs> film experiences I, I've ever had was seeing uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow yeah. with n- zero foreknowledge at Fantastic Fasted. About, oh. And it was at the end of like a five film day. Oh, wow. And I just, my face just went all like um, Bowman <laughs> at the end of 2001 when yeah, he's yeah. in the, you know, Jupiter and Beyond <laughs> the Infinite and he's oh. in the space suit. And it was just like... Yeah, and so uh, it's, it's been a bummer that it's taken Cosmatos eight years, yes, but yeah. you know he's back, and um, it seems like he's getting a lot of positive yeah, yeah. uptick from this film. So I'm really excited. Um, and the other the other mm. connection is that Aaron Stewart, who I follow on Twitter, mm. uh, was uh, co-writer for this. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, also interesting, you know, his dad is George Cosmatos, who yeah. um, directed quite a few films along the way, including I think Jim Carter. Oh. I know he directed um, yeah, I know. Enter the yeah. Dragon. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and was blind near the end of his career. Wow. Yeah. So that's going to be fantastic. There's a, f- there's a few other bits and pieces in there which I think are worth um, um, worth looking at. W- there were two of my three most anticipated films in this section. Oh, wow, and cool. One was Mandy, and the other one was Let the Corpses Tan. Oh, yes. Um, and I, um, Helene Cate and uh, Bruno Forzani are a Belgian couple. Hmm. They came on the scene with a film, A Mare, that played, I think, in 2009 or 10, that instantly um, created one of the deepest schisms ever seen in yeah, the incredibly yeah, yeah. strange <laughs> community. I remember one particularly mad friend of mine saying, that shouldn't have been in a film festival, that should have been in a gallery. Yeah. Uh, quite rudely. Um, I th- and I thought it was a masterpiece. The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears has still never come out in this country, mm. um, and so I imported the Blu-ray. Had to go with that? It's stunning. It's mm. such a technical advance on a mare. It's also super long, like 130 minutes or something. Oh, it's yeah. kind of like, and every two, three, five minute section is amazing. Mm. It's just kind of like, do you like steak? Yeah. Here's a five pound steak. Yeah. You're not actually allowed to leave until you eat you the steak. steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, both those films uh, come out of the Italian giallo tradition, but also play with this sort of hyper extension of that style by really focusing on extreme close ups and kind of fragmenting the action oh, yeah. and having this really intense labored um, sound design. And so it's kind of like, it's almost like distilling these films that you remember from your, you know, watching it and, and all the boring parts have fallen out. And oh, it's just yeah. this kind of nonstop strange world and so let the corpses tan is a slight deviation because it's moving into Sergio Leone western territory Mm. but stylistically I think they're still playing with a lot of the same uh, things it's only 90 minutes and they're coming how great is that wow that's all the way from Belgium you know and um, I I mean to be fair like some of the Australian festivals are getting workshops and we're not but at least you know we get a QA. and a yeah yeah, yeah. I mean there's other things I mean I'm looking forward to uh, the Argentinian film Terrified which is supposed a zombie film back in in the kind of uh, grudge ring uh-huh. kind of style, but as um, Aaron Harrington, who writes for Pantograph Punch, reminded uh, me in her um, 
pick of it as one of her picks of the fest is that Argentina also has a really disturbing political history yeah, yeah. and um, apparently there's a lot of allegory going on that I need to read up on before I see it so I don't yeah. just write about it as a horror film and then um, Gaspar Noe's Climax which oh, um, yes. disappointed um, I think him more than anybody else at can because he had was expecting everybody to hate it and everybody actually loved it loved it you know I think it's um he's made these increasingly you know cumbersome long well I haven't seen mm. love but like mm. you know enter the void just went on and on mm. and so he whipped this one out in like 16 days he started it like literally he went to a New Year's Eve party like this year oh met a dance troupe like came up with the idea for the film and it played Canon May. Whoa. He shot it in like Holy 16 crap. days, mostly with a lot of long takes, so it didn't take too long to edit. Wow. But like, yeah, holy crap. So, and and so I think somehow like these other ones would be, I think he's kind of worried and labored mm. over to create great themes. I mean, you know, I think it's <laughs> just like his his real skill in life is coming up with some really cool shit to put on screen. Yeah. And his um, Achilles heel is trying to say something deep when yeah, he's doing yeah, that. And yeah. so it seems like Climax just might be the film that uh, hits mm. that. Um, what else is on your um, curious oh. list from Incredibly Strange? One of the 50-year um, retro screenings is uh, Liquid Sky, which is um, something I know nothing about, but it's uh, filmmakers sound like they're, um, well, they're, they're European names, um, but it's um, they uh, are in New York, and it's set in the um, 80s, like, yeah, like yeah. disco club scene. Yeah. Um, and well, so, it was filmed in the early yeah, 80s yeah. as well, yeah. Yeah, so so it's it just looks like it's like that real kind of hyper stylized. Yeah, everything's neon, everything's yeah. hairspray, everything. Yeah, yeah, very like kind of shiny, sculpted clothing and and yeah. and set pieces and stuff, and and with like an alien kind of vibe to it. So yeah, yeah, yeah that 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 looks like it's going to be pretty fantastic on a big screen. Um, there's a couple of other ones that appealed, blew my mind. Mm, um, yeah, that looks really interesting. Which was one that um, was female coming of yeah, age coming story. Of age story. And, and I'm, you, I'm a sucker for coming of age stories and um, throw a kind of a, a psychological thriller twist on it and yep I'm sold yep. Um, and there was one other one um, Field Guide to Evil uh, no no um, Piercing th- uh, oh, speaking of um, Giallo Piercing um, has a real Giallo um visual and oral vibe to it as well um, right it's taken from a um, Ryu Murakami Murakami yeah yeah um, the writer of audition yeah yeah, yeah yeah writer of audition script and it's um, it's it, it's pretty it's visually wicked it's really right. fascinating film um, and the director it's his second film and he yeah. did a film called The Eyes of My Mother which yeah, is like yeah. some kind of slow black and white thing and uh, this is very this different is, this is kind of dark comedy really um, right. okay. it's, it's, it's like a twisting it, it reminded me um in some ways of Kim Ki Duck from oh right uh, right okay and uh, uh, the Isle oh I haven't seen the Isle doesn't he like skin live fish and shit oh like? yeah like the, the fish hooks yeah, go where they the, the, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, yeah there's some sadomasochism in it and and it's cyclic like people, the characters uh, 
doing to each other and then having done to them back um, in, a, in a kind of a cycle. And, and this film has a little bit of that kind of black sadomasochistic play, right. but with with a kind of a, a humorous streak to it, um, which huh. is which is quite quite interesting. And then with that whole yellow vibe happening, like right, okay. like like fantastic yellowy orange um, lighting and and walls um, wallpaper to the oh, max, cool. beautiful and like these real fixed shots with um with like fantastic framing of, of rooms and people moving and yeah, yeah. okay cool yeah, yeah so, so, I, I wasn't but, but um, it played it, it felt like a short film to me or, or right, like a okay. short story like very much like a short story like so it's quite a fleet it's like 78 minutes or something okay. um, and so I almost felt like I wanted more from it right. but what what I got was pretty yeah. engaging yeah um, the other one is um, What Keeps You Alive um, which I don't know much about but the write up in it just grabbed me and, and, and I thought yeah this this is this sounds like a, a yeah. kind of a low burn strange experience which yeah. I think could uh, could rock me a bit so yeah yeah it seems like one of those like some films that often Ant will get these films mm. that are really under the radar and mm. then a year later it's like why don't you get Blue Ruin it's like yeah. played last year yeah, you yeah, know yeah, and, yeah. Um, and so that's that's one of those more unheralded films yeah. um, as um uh, the Field Guide to Evil, I don't think, has played too much either, and that's um, the crowdfunded, uh, Timpson produced. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. It's seven short films and um, by various directors, including yep. like, the director of Goodnight Mommy and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the Oregonian, and I forget who else. But the um, and this is the other issue I have with Ashes Purest White is I can either see that or the Field Guide to Evil. Oh right. And I think Ashes Purest White will probably be a better film overall. But but yeah. Peter Strickland has a film in the P- Field. Oh. Guide to oh, Evil yeah, 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 yeah. and Peter Strickland did Barbarian Sound Studio and Duke, Duke of Burgundy, Burgundy yeah. which are two of my favorite films so it's like do I see the 147 minute masterpiece or do I see 15 minutes of my favorite filmmaker yeah. and 105 minutes that you know is probably going to be Pretty I mean good. by yeah, definition yeah. will be a mixed bag yeah, yeah, you know yeah. um, and most of the reports have been you know like mm. pretty much every review of every anthology film ever mm. is like it's a mixed bag so yeah, yeah. you know big surprise um, so I might leave that until uh, the game day to make that decision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, so we've reached the back of the book. Now there's a um, bonus innings this year, though, which is that the Animation Now Festival, which has yeah. kind of start, you know become a bit more mobile in recent yeah, years. Yeah. It used to be that thing that I wanted to see during the festival that yeah. I didn't have time. And then I think last year it played before the festival. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah this year it's playing the weekend after, and so there's uh, six or seven different programs of animation over a weekend at the Academy. Um, and I think there's slightly reduced ticket prices as well. So yeah, my pick for the animation now section is the uh, handmade films. Oh yeah, that looked pretty interesting. And my um, the appeal for me is in part um, I love seeing the process yeah, and the yeah. tactile nature. So much of yeah. filmmaking is abstract and digital now that yeah. actually bring something back into the physical world is very exciting. And yeah. I've also been doing a little bit myself, not nearly at the level of accomplishment I imagine you'd see in here, but just yeah, playing yeah. with a bit of paint and trying to yeah. teach myself some things. So I'm hoping to cull some inspiration from that. Oh, nice. The one that um, appealed most to me from the Animation Now section was, um, and I'm not sure if I'll get a chance to see it or not. I did, I did see some from the animated Animation Now Festival last year, so here's hoping. Um, 
is the uh, Fresh Eyes on Estonia, which is not, not that I know a lot about international animation, but um, some of the previous work that I have seen um, involves a couple of Estonian um, animators, and it was pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Like, clearly there's a political layer, there's um, some satire going on, but the animation style is just so different from what you see around in sort of mainstream cinema, like your Pixar's, your, um, yeah. your Japanese um, Miyazaki Studio Ghibli kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it's, you know, I dig seeing a whole program of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there'd be interesting stuff in any of the programs you yeah. went to in that. Yeah. And um, I've been lucky enough to sample stuff in previous years and yeah. kind of wished I could go to everything. And, yeah. There was one, um, what was, oh yeah, there's one um, entitled Crazy Town, which uh, the picture is just creature a character driving or piloting some kind of vehicle with windows out the front which looks kind of slightly surreal and crazy it looks like a dog driving actually um and and i and that made me think of my eight-year-old and how (laughs) she would just love that and um it makes me think of fire and cardboard city as well and kind of stuff in that time and crazy town if i go to a second one that would probably be the one on my list although you know the international showcase is always good for wide diversity and um so yeah, hopefully we've just made your festival shopping job that yeah, much yeah. harder, yeah. or maybe that much easier, or at least maybe you get to see one thing that you yeah. wouldn't have otherwise that you might have liked. There's plenty of good things, and and that really is just the tip of the iceberg. But um, the, there are so many in, in every section, um, yeah. and just really encourage you to get out and see a few, even if you can only see um, two or three films, get out there. Um, one of my favourite things is a good friend of mine who, who shifted from Auckland to Wellington a while ago, um, who's sort of suddenly sort of found his film passion quite late, is, uh, is now going hard at the, at the festival um, I think I, I, his wife is getting along to a few of them as well which is cool right. but um, he was limiting himself to um, I think 10 films and suddenly his list has jumped to 18 <laughs> <laughs> and it's been great to kind of get have back and forth with him about his picks and yeah, yeah. fantastic cool well we'll probably uh, catch up after the festival's yeah. done and uh, yeah, sure. have a debrief and until uh, next time this is Doug this is Jacob and that was Best Worst Podcast cheers